0: Hey, this is Joseph Macenery. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. Uh, I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. If you're ready for it, we're going to call this Volume 2. All right, Are we good with that? And so we're going to continue to look at some different characters of the Easter cast, these people that played a role, and we're going to see their point of view. We're going to see what they went through, what it looked like for this Easter ensemble cast member, different people experiencing Jesus during this week. If you're ready to start, we're going to look at a man named Pontius Pilate. We know him as the man who, who gave the order... Although it's God orchestrating this appointment, it's God conducting this musical, so to speak, we know it was God himself that allowed all this to happen. But Pontius Pilate was the governor. He was the governor over this region. And and many times we're told it's like we, we, we know his story, And I want to encourage you, I've been, this week I've been reading all four gospel accounts of Pontius Pilate, and it's interesting. I want to encourage you, if you have some time in your your, your, your alone time with the Lord, uh, you know, the gospel of Mark, it's pretty quick. He talks about Pilate a little bit, he kind of gets right to it. Each gospel writer has their own way of kind of talking about this, and I love love the the book of John. It's it's pretty heartfelt, it's pretty detailed, and we're going to spend some time there today, But we know this was by God's design. It's actually prophesied many times in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that the Messiah would die. The Bible even, like in the book of Psalms, church, the Bible talks about uh, hands being pierced. The Bible talks about uh, the Messiah would die by his feet being pierced. It's this description of, of, of crucifixion, even though crucifixion in the book of Psalms, chapter 22, it hasn't even been invented yet. It hasn't even been invented yet. And, and we're gonna look at a series of missteps by this man named Pilate, by this Roman governor named Pilate. We're gonna look at a series of events that unfolds kind of some of the, the things that took place. And, and I'll just be honest, one of the greatest mistakes Pilate made, and we're gonna see this a little bit maybe in coming weeks, um, and all the ladies in the house, this is your time to shine and shout. But one of the greatest mistakes Pilate made was I'm gonna say it like this he didn't listen to his wife. You guys are, had no coffee today, ladies. Here, Pilate. Let me say it again. One of the greatest mistakes Pilate made was he didn't listen to his wife. Come on, ladies, that's your chance. Did you did you throw a little nudge? Get a rib shot in? You have my permission. I'm just telling you. You can throw right, All right, You can give that little hand a squeeze, right? But the book, the Bible tells us that his wife even says this, ladies, amen, but here we go. These were the words of of his wife. She said, have nothing to do, all right? She says, honey, have nothing to do with this innocent man, for I have suffered many things about him because, she says, because of a dream that I had, have nothing to do with this man. And so we're going to look at the book of John, but each different gospel account gives this similar insight into a Roman governor, while each person has their unique point of view today we're going to look and and I've got a lot of scripture for you today and my goodness it's already I'm looking at the clock and we're, we're letting time get away from us so is it okay if we just go right into scripture this morning you ready all right John chapter 18 verse 28 and let's look at the Bible let's look at what is described here for us let's imagine ourselves in this situation as we work through some of God's word today are you with me church I'm gonna try that again, are you with me, church? Come on. All right, verse 28, let's read it. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor his accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them. It's interesting to me, they were so concerned with being, being righteous enough, being clean for the Passover, yet they were willing to commit murder. They were willing to lie at the same time. Just note note, taking notes here, right? His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So verse 29, so Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. And there's so much to get into on the life of Pilate. There's so much to talk about with Caiaphas and the Pharisees and the fact that they even had these these trumped up charges. They had to change their charges about Jesus because they they, they knew they didn't have enough. And so their very very charges were were false. But during the Passover, Pilate's here because large, large crowds would begin to gather. Large crowds would, would come to Jerusalem, and Pilate would be called to the scene to squash any type of issue, any type of thought of rebellion, any type of, of local disturbances. And if you read some historians, I was reading some commentaries this week, um, and, and there's, there's some situations where we can give us insight into the man. I wish I had like, we could do three weeks on Pontius Pilate, I'm telling you what, but we're going to try to just do one week. And, and there's a few disturbances before this that have already happened. And we could say it like this, that Pilate's power, the authorities over him, the emperor Tiberius, he's, he's a little bit on thin ice. There's been three particular instances that have already happened that have not made the emperor, not made Rome look so good when it comes to their dealings with the Jewish people. But Pilate was known as a ruthless man. Uh, he was known as a man that, let's just say it like this, he had little affection for the Jews and the Jews felt pretty similar towards him. Let's continue to look at scripture in verse 31. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone. Look at this, they go right to it. They go right to their wish list. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone. The Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. You see, the Jewish leaders needed Pilate to condemn Jesus, They made their intentions clear right away that they weren't looking for any punishments of their own. They were looking for the death penalty, right? They said, it's not legal for us. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death. They couldn't legally kill Jesus. And so they were determined, in fact, to have Rome do it for them. They were determined to have Pilate kill Jesus for them. Verse 33. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Verse 35, am am I a Jew, Pilate retorted, your own people... Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? It seems, and if you read all of the the, the accounts, there's a sense of curiosity Pilate has about this man, Jesus. I wonder the, I don't know if it would be, I think a sense of confidence, think of Jesus standing before Pilate, being ready to be put on trial after he, right, he is prayed up in the garden of Gethsemane, has already taken place. I bet you there is something about this Jesus that Pilate notices. A, a sense of calmness, a sense of confidence, a sense of mission. Jesus knows his mission, and he's, he's tough. He's ready for it. Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people have put you here. What have you done? But what we find from the author, what we find uh, kind of consistently in Scripture, is that Pilate wasn't interested in some type of religious squabble. He wasn't interested in getting into this with the Pharisees, right? And, and, and so what's abundantly clear is Pilate knows this man Jesus is innocent. He's curious about him. He knows this man Jesus is different. And, and all of these different charges are, are lies. He knew Jesus was innocent. And we're going to see Pilate do a few things. And I'm going to kind of give away the rest of the scripture this morning. But first we're going to see that, that Pilate just tries to ignore it. He tries to just refuse to deal, and he tries to say, I'm not taking this case. Next, we're going to see, and in chapter 19, we're going to skip ahead in a, in a bit, but in chapter 19, we will see that Pilate tries to compromise with people. He tries to compromise by having Jesus whipped, by having him scourged. Scourged. He, he, he tries to uh, uh, compromise and satisfy the people through compromise, and then he makes a final appeal. But ultimately, we're going to see a man who refuses to do what is right. He refuses to put his foot down and say, you know, I'm going to have nothing to do with this innocent man. Uh, he refuses the advice of his wife, right? Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king, Jesus responded, you say I am a king. And there's so much we could get into here, but Jesus says, actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is truth. And in verse 38, would you underline this? Would you just circle this in your notes? Would you make, note? Would you make light of this and, and kind of bring our attention to this? Pilate asks a question that has been repeated by Fallen, fallen generations after generations, it's a question that we often ask in the world today. Did you catch it? He says, what is truth? How many of us would agree that there are many around us, maybe even we have to, to fight this, this type of thinking even in our own lives when we talk about absolute truth, right? To our world, to our friends, maybe to people you work with, to culture around us, truth is relative. Truth is what you want it to be. Truth is changeable. Truth is optional. Truth is relegated to, you know, it's only truth if you've lived it. It's it's relegated to your experience. And that is what Pilate is echoing here. He says, what is true? This this sentiment still exists. It's, It's maybe one of the most popular religions in our culture today, even if we don't want to call it that. It's this idea that what is true for one person may not be true for another person. Number one, would you write this down if you're taking notes? Truth exists whether you embrace it or not. We're gonna look at three things we can learn from the life of Pilate, this first Easter ensemble cast member that's gonna point us and give us a perspective about Jesus, the ultimate hero of the Easter story. But Pilate, we can learn from him, number one, truth exists whether you embrace it or not. It's, nuts. it's not something that can be changed on our feelings. It's not something that can be changed based on experience. It's not something that can be changed based on perspective. And even think of it, like think of it when we, think back to your teenage years for a minute. Any adults in the house, right? Think back to your college years. You know, we all, we, we, we love those sections of Scripture and we love saying the Bible is true until you run into a certain section that says something you kind of don't feel so good about, right? Think of how many parts of the Bible we we kind of view as optional. I always like to think and say, you know, we only really believe the parts of the Bible we do. Right? We only really believe the parts of the Bible that we say yes to. And so we have to acknowledge that, right? And when we talk about truth, you and I can we could deny the truth of whatever, whatever you want, gravity per se. But I'm just going to tell you, man, if I decide to take a flying leap of faith off of this stage right now, and let's go blindfolded and let's go backwards, I might hurt the front row here, right? But whether I believe in gravity or not, whether I believe that that principle is true or not, guess what? (laughs) I don't have to embrace the law of gravity to find out I'm going to hurt some people down there, and more than likely, I'm going to get hurt myself. I'm getting old. Right? Let's continue in verse 38. Then he went out again to the people, and he told them, He is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews? Would you like me to release Jesus? Is what he's saying. And verse 40, would you look what they shouted back? They shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. The Bible tells us that Barabbas was a man that wanted to, at his core, overthrow Rome. A man that would lead rebellions. A man that would, do, a man that would murder and kill to get something done. That's who they wanted to release, a man that would murder to get the job done. Someone who would kill to get the job done. And don't miss this. A lot of times, like we just talk about like a murderer. But here I think is it's kind of something we miss sometimes. These leaders, right? The leaders of the Jewish people, they preferred a criminal who had fought for physical deliverance. Deliverance from Rome, because we kind of find out that's really all that they cared about. But in essence, what they missed was they needed spiritual deliverance, but they only cared about political deliverance. Church, I believe that's a word for us currently today. We Much more than we need to be concerned with what is going on out there in the political scene where thing and culture and things are always changing, we need to be very, very concerned with spiritual deliverance, spiritual renewal, and meanwhile we have Pilate, we have Pontius Pilate, the governor, the shot caller, and he's never seen anyone like this Jesus. Would you turn in your Bible and let's flip over to chapter 19, chapter 19 as we go through this this morning, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him, verse 3, Hail king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. It's interesting, they put the purple robe on Jesus, the sign of royalty, the sign of royalty, the crown of thorns. And think about this situation, and yet the only, like, actually what they did place on him symbolically was very accurate. The only one in this picture that deserved to be called king was right there, wearing the purple robe, wearing the crown of of thorns, yet they were mocking him. Hail, king of the Jews, and he was. Could we say it like this? He was the king of the Jews, he's the king of the Gentiles, he's the king of everyone in this story and in our story today. Someone say amen, right? Verse four, Pilate went outside again. You see this appeal, this tension in him, John records. Over and over he goes into his headquarters, out of his headquarters. He went outside again and said to the people, is this good enough, basically? I'm gonna bring him out to you now, but understand clearly. And I wonder if these are the words of his wife, right? Other, other gospel accounts record his wife telling him, hey, have nothing to do with this innocent man. I wonder what's going on in his heart today is this, this innocent man is before him, yet he, 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 he feels the, the pressure of the mob, the pressure of society caving in on his decision-making. And he says... Let the record show I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. Almost with a sense, I think, is Pilate the governor reluctantly saying after Jesus received the lashing, And we'll talk about some of that on Good Friday, right? If you're familiar with the story, this isn't just like a a, a little bit of a lashing. There are people who don't survive the beating Jesus just endured. And Pilate's with a sense saying, is this gonna be good enough for you? Like, can we be done now? Is this gonna be good enough? Can I go back into my headquarters? Can 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 we continue on? Look, here is the man, verse six. But when they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. And look at this, he keeps like, hello, Pil- Pontius Pilate, you, are you in charge or are you not? Right, look, he, he, he's telling you his decision, but we're seeing where the power really truly lies. Take him yourselves and crucify him. He's saying, go break the law yourself. I find him not guilty. I find him not guilty. Number two, would you write this down? Pilate was defined by his occupation. Pilate was in a moment where he is going to decide it is, it is better to hold on to my power, it is better to go with the masses, it's better to be political about this than it is to do the right thing. I think we can relate to Pilate today. Right? I often say when I read scripture, I would love to say I just relate to Jesus so much. But when I get into these stories and when we talk about Easter people and we talk about people who are flawed, I sit there and I go, oh my goodness, I can relate to Pilate a whole lot. I can relate to this feeling of being defined by what we do. Right? Many people were defined at what we do, where we do it a role, a job. Think of even oftentimes like you get two men together that haven't like met each other and it's like the very first question you ask it's like what do you do? Right? Am I right? Seems like sometimes and not always but oftentimes I think even the difference with women sometimes it's like I think many times the conversations are a little bit different. How many kids do you have? Right? You know? How long have you been married? Like, it's kind of like conversation seems to be a little bit different. But we are defined culturally very often by what we do. And could I say it like this? I think Pilate didn't want to lose his job. When we talk about some of the revolts that took place before these incidents. Pilate didn't want to lose his position. He didn't want to lose his political base. And like so many, right, we've seen this in politics. It doesn't matter which side, right? We've seen people make promises, and then they are unable or unwilling to follow through on those promises. They're willing to change and shift with the tide and, and, and break their promises because of why? Oftentimes we see it today, right? Because we understand what we will lose by making the right decision. We understand what will happen if we upset the apple cart, if we lose our political base. You know, we, we see this in Scripture. What, Judas... He had a price, didn't he? I remember one time I was in Belize with the, the vice president at the time of our Foursquare Movement. His name was uh, uh, Jim Scott. I don't know if any of you had the, the chance to meet him, but he, he looked right at our group of pastors and he said, everybody here has a price. What's yours? And I remember being like, whoa, whoa, right? But he said it with this, with this, this sense of authority yet kindness to really, really check ourselves. to really like, like Think about that. Judas had a price. His price was 30 pieces of silver. Pilate had a price. Pilate sold Jesus out to maintain his position. I think that's something only you can answer. Maybe the Holy Spirit can give us a nudge, but what God, what's my price? What's my price? Verse 7, let's continue in God's word this morning. Are you still with me today? You're looking at me. I know we had a lot of fun, but anytime you start talking about crucifixion and Easter, right, it gets it gets real really quick. Amen? Right, verse seven, let's continue on. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, and I love this, it says, Pilate was more frightened now than ever. Right? Pilate, I think right here, Pilate knows. Pilate knows, and there's some historians that You know, years later, about there's some historians that report that seven years later, Pilate went out. He was he lost his power, he lost his name, he lost his position, and some historians believe that Pilate went out in the middle of the night, just like Judas, and Pilate ended his life and he hung himself. Pilate knew, he knew who he was dealing with. Look at these questions: Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Verse 10, why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded, why don't you talk to me? Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? And then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed you over to to me, handed me over to you, has the greater sin. Verse 12, Do you see this this give and take, this pull? Do you see this bartering that the governor is doing? Verse 12, it says, Pilate tried to release him. Then Pilate tried to release him. But just like the words of Master Yoda, some of us know, right? Do or do not. There is no what? There is no try. He did not do (laughs) Right? Uh, right? Think about that, though. It says he tried to release him, but he didn't. He didn't do it. He didn't stand up. He didn't make the decision. He was more concerned with what the people around him wanted. He was more concerned with trying to keep everyone happy. Guess what, church? Write this down. Being neutral when it comes to Jesus doesn't work. Staying in the middle when it comes to Jesus doesn't work, and it's like we have this mentality, and we have to make sure it doesn't creep into our homes one bit. Husbands, we got to make sure this doesn't creep into uh, the life of our, our, our kids one bit. It's not that I reject God, but I just have other things to do. Right? It's not that I reject God, but I'll just do anything I can to cut down that person and get their job, to get their position. It's not that I reject God, but I'll do anything I can to get ahead. It's not that I reject God, but I'm going to choose popularity and people over him. Number three, what can we learn from Pilate? I think it's this. Pilate chose people over God. Pilate chose the crowd over God. Pilate shows popularity over God. And how many of us adults in the house would agree? And I'm going to just say it like this, and I know we have a mix of just every generation in the house this morning, but here we go, and maybe you're not in high school yet, but maybe you're in junior high or whatever age you are, but adults, would you agree with me? Peer pressure doesn't end with high school or college. Bad news, kids, Right? Bad news, like that—that—that—that something inside us that that desires, that longs to be accepted, that longs to be liked, that longs for people to be nice and kind to us. Right? Peer pressure doesn't end in junior high, high school, or college. And there's something in us—it's like we want to be liked. I like to pretend like it doesn't bother me. If you know me well, like I like to pretend, right? But we want to be liked. We worry about what people think. And I would say it like this, sometimes I have made the worst decisions based on what others think. May, uh, sometimes I've made the worst decision based on someone else's opinion and not God's opinion. Hello, right? And when we, we, we see this over and over in scripture, students, young, like, I, I don't, like, everybody in here, we have to fight that urge to be liked and ask that question, God, what is it you like? God, what is it you desire, right? Sometimes we make the worst decision based on fear, and we see it in the Bible. They did it too. Bad news, right? Like, we keep on doing it. You look at this. There's this guy named Peter. We studied him for two weeks in last year's Easter series, right? But remember that moment by the fire, if you're familiar with this scripture. There was this moment where Peter cared more about what a total stranger thought of him than he did about pleasing God. They ask this question, Aren't you one of those disciples? And what did Peter do by the fireplace? He's like, No, 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 not me. Not me. And we often, and I'll say this often, I'll say, Who cares what people think with that type of tone? Has anybody ever done that? Who cares what people think? It's easy. Who cares? It's like, Well, Peter cared. We see in Scripture, Pilate cared what people think. Too often, I care what people think. We care what people think way too much. And too often, we care too much what people think about Jesus. Let's continue in verse 12. The Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar." You know, in, in a sense, if you kind of get through history, there's a sense they are reminding Pilate of his past, and his past, in a way, is coming back to haunt his decision-making. They're already saying, hey, Pilate, we already kind of know you're on thin ice with the emperor, and you better go our way, pal, right? He says, if you release this man, we're going to report you. You're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against who? Is a rebel against Caesar. Caesar. Verse 13, when they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Look at this, he brings him in, he brings him out, he brings him in this battle. This, this, he, he, it's a tug of war going on in Pilate's heart. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king, Away with him, they yelled. Think of this. Think of being there. Think of listening to this. Away with him. Crucify him, they yelled. He said, What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. And look at this answer. And this must have made his ears perk up. This must have made Pilate raise an eyebrow because here we go. I was thinking of this as I was reading. We have no king but Caesar. And look who shouts this. Not the crowd. It says, the leading priests shouted back, we have no king in our lives but Caesar. It's interesting, their covenant with God dating back to their ancestors, the covenant of Abraham didn't seem to matter so much in this moment because they wanted Jesus dead. So much so, they were willing to go back. And like, Look at this, we have no king but Caesar's. Look what they didn't say. They didn't say, we have no king but Yahweh. They didn't say, we have no king but God. No, 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 these are the leaders of today in in, in the culture where Jesus was. I think of the heroes of the Old Testament. I think of men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they refused to bow down. I think of men, like think of the history of the Jewish people and see how much times have changed. I think of the prophet Samuel when he told the people in 1 Samuel chapter 12, he said, God alone is our king, right? You think of, of, of Gideon. And he says, I'm not gonna rule over you. My kids aren't gonna rule over you. Gideon said, the Lord will rule over you in Judges chapter eight. My, how things have changed. Look at how culture is changing because now the leaders in this situation are saying, we have no king but Caesar. They aren't declaring that God is our king. Yahweh is our king. The leading priests shouted. And let's finish up. We've read a lot of scripture today. I hope that's okay. Is it okay to read God's word in church? I feel like lately that's my heart. Let's get a lot of it in. Verse 16. The debate is over. He's tired of arguing. He's tired of fighting. He's tired of this religious quarrel. He mails it in. He says, verse 16, it says, Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. Here's the reality for the man known as Pontius Pilate. He had Jesus standing right there before him. And each gospel account gives us a different insight into the man, into the governor, into the shot caller, into the man. He he, he had the power to judge Jesus. But would you write this down? Here's what I think Pilate didn't realize. He was actually judging himself as he judged Jesus. Think of that for a moment and think of how that applies to our lives. Pilate was actually judging himself as he judged Jesus. Because the reality is this, is that each of us one day will stand before Jesus. And, and, and church, you know, it's like this is what scripture says. So there is no neutral, there is no middle of the road when it comes to Jesus. It doesn't matter your choice of faith, what faith you believe in, lack of faith, choice of religion. The Bible says we will stand before Jesus and give an account. The Bible says that every knee will bow. The Bible says every tongue will confess. The Bible says that every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. And so the reality that we face, the reality that our loved ones face, the reality that people that we work with face, is that you can make the right decision about Jesus now and in the next age, in the life to come, you will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful Servant, or you can have an attitude like Pilate, like, you know what? I don't have time for this right now. That's Pilate. I don't have time for Jesus today. I'm not going to keep arguing over this today. I don't have time to listen to you, Jesus, today, right, to honor you, Jesus, today, to follow all of these rules, right, to give up those things. God, I don't have time to give up those addictions, those desires, those habits, that sleeping around, whatever it is. I know what your word says, but I want to do my own thing. And you can pick whatever your own thing is, but usually our own thing is called sin, And it's this attitude, Jesus, I don't have time because I'd rather just do what my friends want me to do. I'd rather just do what culture is saying to do. I'd rather be like Pilate and please the crowd. And we do this. It it doesn't just happen when we're young. I'd rather be like Pilate. I'd rather please the crowd than make the hard decision. I'd rather be like Pilate. I'd, I'd rather please the crowd, then make the right decision, the tough decision. But here's the truth as we close. Jeanette, would you come and would you play us out this morning? Here's the, here's the reality. If we don't acknowledge Jesus now, if we don't say yes to Jesus now, if those around you don't say yes to Jesus now, in effect, if we, if we just kind of live our lives and say, Jesus, I don't have time for you now, then a time will come where Jesus, we will see him and meet him face to face, and he will say, you didn't have time for me then. I don't have time actually for you now. That's the reality we face, church. Young people, that's the reality we face. He will say, you said no to me, and I will have to tell you, I never knew you. His response, I will never knew you. And here we go as we close. By what we do in this life with Jesus, by what we decide about Jesus, it will determine what Jesus says about you in the next life. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, and Lord, we thank you for your word, your scripture, your gospel. It preaches and teaches us today. God, we ask that over the next five weeks, as we talk about Easter people, as we talk about this Easter ensemble, these different cast members that all played a significant role in some way of telling your story, we ask that you would continue to move and stir in our hearts as we see so much brokenness and difficulty and sin in our world. We see darkness. Let's bow our heads with every head bowed and our eyes closed. God, we, if we are true, we just see so much sin that just breaks your heart. God, we see so much confusion that breaks your heart. God, help us and encourage us to understand that your word brings clarity to confusion. God, your scripture brings a roadmap for success. It has the answers to our questions. Father, encourage us to remember and believe that God, you have placed your people here. God, you have placed your church here. God, you have placed us in the family we are a part of for such a time as this. And you have placed us here in this moment of history. God, help us be Christians that don't get annoyed and scared and shy away from the dark. Help us not to move away from the dark and run from it. But God, help us to engage and be light and in dark places shining the light of Jesus God to continue there's a message and there's a simplicity of the gospel message that it rings out for generations after generations after generations a message that says Jesus is king with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we pray and I'd like to invite our prayer teams to come up to my right and can we just have some, a time of prayer if some might be wanting it with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit like Pilate. <laughs> maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, and there's just, it's just, man, things are getting tight, budgets are getting tight, things are are hard at work. And maybe you find yourself in a situation like Pilate where you're finding it very difficult to make the tough decision, but you know that decision you need to make is the right decision. Maybe you're here today and you've been following the Lord and you just, maybe this, this word, this scripture today is for you because you realize you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice to stand up against the voice of the crowd all around you. If that's you today, I just, I believe that's a word for some here today. And as we close, I, I love asking this question. Maybe you are here today and you aren't a church type person at all. Maybe you're here today and you've been out of church for a long time. Maybe this is your first time in. Maybe somehow you stumbled across our tiny little web stream and you don't even know why you're watching on the stream today. But somehow you're online. Somehow you found your way in a seat today. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus. Maybe you've been doing your own thing in your 20s or your 30s. But I believe this, that the God of the universe placed you here in this moment, in this seat on this stream for a purpose, and it's this, that our God is so good that he didn't lead you here by accident. You're here because our God is so good that he is drawing you to himself, his grace, his love, his mercy. There's something drawing you in, and that is the name of Jesus. But here we go. You are here today, and you have to ask this question. Matthew chapter 27, it's a different account in the gospel message, but it says this about the man Pilate responded in Matthew chapter 27. He said, then what should I do with Jesus who's called the Messiah? Oh, I love that question. Maybe you're here today and that is the question that needs answering. Then what am I to do with Jesus? If you're watching on the stream, that's the question. What am I to do with Jesus it's a question that every day everyone one day will answer that question because Jesus said things like I am the way I am the truth I am the light that there is no one that comes to the father except through me that I am the path I am the door and if you acknowledge me before man Jesus says then I will acknowledge you before my heavenly father and I just want to ask you is that you today If you're in this house, if you're within the sound of my voice, if you're watching on a stream, is that you? Do you need to acknowledge Jesus today? Jesus, who was perfect in every way, we believe he died on the cross. He rose again so that anyone, that means anyone, that whosoever, that means everyone, no matter how dark, no matter how far away you've been, no matter how many poor decisions you've been making and who you've been making with them with, the reality is the truth is if you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. I like to say this, we acknowledge him in our hearts. We can acknowledge him with our lips. One of the simple things that we do here is, I just love to ask people, would you just acknowledge him in front of men by just lifting a hand or two? Would you acknowledge him in front of men by lifting your eyes, making eye contact with me? And I just wanna ask you, that's one of the ways we acknowledge him because the Bible says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my heavenly father. The hand raising and all that doesn't make it, so it's just a great way for us to see, God, what are you doing in the spiritual that we can't necessarily always identify right if you call on the name of Jesus would you just do that today I just want to ask you if you need to acknowledge him in this house would you just lift your eyes or lift your hand in my direction I'm just going to count to 3 and if we want to acknowledge him today he's saying come home come back I want to I want to be in relationship with you would you acknowledge him in this house by lifting your hand 1 2 and 3 is there anybody here I see you over there I see you in the back Young lady over there, I see you over there. Anybody over I see you two over here. I see you over there, young man. Anybody in the middle section over here? I see you in the very back, sir. God, we acknowledge you. God, we come running home to you. God, we love that promise that you can make us new when we surrender our life to you, completely new. Would you pray with me, church, as we close? We're in overtime. By two minutes, let's pray. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come on, let's say it you may have prayed this a hundred times and maybe some of those seven or eight hands that went up maybe it's the first time, let's pray it together and let's all just celebrate this my goodness, we we're scoring touchdowns today, amen let's say it, church Jesus, I surrender my life to you completely to you save me forgive me for doing it on my own and I ask you to make me new somebody say this, totally new Fill me with your spirit god so i can show your love i can represent peace i can be transformed in all that i do and here's the reality when we come to jesus church get this that now my my life is not my own my life is not my own but i give it to you we believe this you know what we have somebody that died for us. And so no matter the glamour sin that we're involved in, now it's time to die to ourself. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Can God's people say amen? And can we just celebrate and say, God, we, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you for your son. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.